Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm Ash Thorpe and this is going to be episode 93 with Ken Wong, who's the lead designer on the wonderful game Monument Valley. Ken and I have a great conversation about the current art form of video games and his desire to express his creativity in this medium. We also discuss Ken's involvement with Apple and his many creative influences, one of them being his love of films. Big thanks to Ken for coming on and sharing his time with us. This is a really great episode. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Episode 93, let's roll. I actually got a wear from you, and I think we mentioned the pod, or in the emails is uh, from my friend Ollie. A little shout out oh, to Ollie. Cool. <laughs> yeah. we, we had a really spectacular, spectacular conversation, and it was he had mentioned you and because he loves games and he was like he was basically saying that if you're into design or into creating worlds or you have a style or an aesthetic like don't just like go build corporate logos you know like everybody else um he's like go to video games where they need that aesthetic they need that design eye and and I was like, oh, yeah, who's this Ken Wong guy? Let me check it out. And like, what's this game on your valley? All right, cool. Let me check it out. Because I'm totally oblivious, to be completely honest. And I think, right. and that's the thing that I'm just totally in love with is that, like, I've literally told everybody about your video game. Yeah, sure. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that we need more, like, sort of design aesthetic and design experience in video games. Because I was just looking at your work, actually. And, um, like... I think motion graphics are like motion graphics artists are a really interesting species of artist because it's it's clearly commercial work, right? Like it's work done for clients, usually under really tight deadlines. But a lot of it is like really, really creative, you know? Like I feel like um, somehow in advertising and in film, um, the the spirit of artistry carries on. You know, you're expected to um, go the extra mile and make it personal and make it beautiful. Um, and it's a weird thing that, like in video, like video games, somehow um, it's not always assumed that it's art and the, or that the people that are making them are artists. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, and I'm including programmers and level designers you know um, a lot of the time they see their work as you know a bit like putting a car together or I don't know making a piece of furniture or, or like like laying down um, asphalt you know like making a like they, they see it as something um, I don't know like they're just following the plan and Who's, they're just making they, you think the general public um, no, I, I mean, I think it's, it's a combination of the public perception of what games are and what games can be, and also um, what game developers think of themselves. So um, I'm very glad that, you know, that you recommended Monument Valley and that you checked it out, even though you're not a gamer, because, you know, that's exactly what we set out to do. Oh, you um, nailed it. You did a you your, you and your team did a phenomenal job. Like, my bravo to all you guys. I 
I mean, honestly, I listened to Ollie's words and I was like, all right, let me check this out. And then I saw, <laughs> I saw the image. And I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Like, it, I love it. You got the perfect tone of ambient occlusion and all these things. Like, these are languages that I speak every day, you know? And, yeah. and I thought, let me try this out because I love optical illusions. I love puzzles. And honestly, like I said, I, the, I, I don't play video games. I haven't played one. I, the recent one that I did buy is because I love Alien. It's just Alien Isolation. I played yep. it for like two hours and, and, I, and I had so much like anxiety. I had to stop. <laughs> so I need to go back yeah. and play it more. It's just I've been really busy too. Um, you know, everyone says that. Everyone says, um, you know, I, I want to do that, but I don't have the time mm -hmm. because Alien Isolation takes whatever 10 15 hours to play yeah it's beautiful you did play two you did play two hours of it right and, yeah two hours yeah and and so but did you finish monument valley i finished Monument valley in one play i didn't stop wow and i, and I okay. didn't go to sleep i just like kept playing it until i was done and then i bought the expansion pack and i beat that too <laughs> i just right. went, i just drew i drove right through it and i didn't want to stop okay yeah, yeah. and <laughs> so i you know i think that you know, one of our chief innovations, like one of the, this crazy weird thing that came out of the development is we made a short game, like on purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously there are, you know, a bunch of players who feel shortchanged by that and they're, they, they want more, uh, you know, I assume because they, because they really enjoyed playing it, but they, 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 they're so used to really, yeah, really used long, to those long journeys. Yeah. But, you know, the side effect of, um, making something short is that it's completable and we can focus all our efforts into um, the first two hours, which are the only two hours of, of the game, knowing that, you know, you're going to appreciate it the whole way and, and you're not going to give up because you don't, you don't have time in your life or because you're not an experienced gamer. So you don't have time to, to, you know, work on those skills um, and I, I really think it's it's a different approach to games to to, to think of them um, a bit more like a book or like a film or like uh, an album where you don't want to alienate your audience and you don't want to like set the bar of, of literacy super high where you're like okay I'm, I'm you know to to get my message to get the point of my artwork um, you have to be really good at this and I'm going to test you constantly. And if you're not good enough, you don't get to finish it. Um, and you need, you know, I, I need at least 10 hours of your, of your life. You know, yeah. I, it's, it's a great it, analogy, it, like a connection between books. Cause it's very similar. I think from my understanding of the two. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, uh, I think, you know, if someone writes a book in an intentionally difficult, uh, style of prose, then, they are. They know what they're doing. They're they're um, they're preventing a certain type of pe person from getting into their book, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's this aspect of accessibility. Like, I mean, especially in film. Uh, I guess film is the language that I'm more familiar with compared to books. But like, um, you know, you have there 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 are reasons why you make your film more mainstream, and there's a reason why you might um, go go for more of an art house crowd. And I think that sort of distinction is only we're only starting to understand. Yeah, still how that in its infancy. In video yeah. games. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you go to the dawn of video games, like you know, your Pac-Man and your Space Invaders, and and there wasn't really a division back then. You know, games were for everybody, um, and it's kind of 
splintered since then where like you know you can take a game like um like mass effect and some people would say oh this is the greatest game ever this is like the crowning achievement of what video games can do um but but i'm like i don't i don't have the time you know and i don't i don't i, I don't know if i have the skills to maybe it's the it. interest too you know yeah it's a possibility i mean we might be on a different um I think a lot of it too is broken down into cost and, and, and risk and reward and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of different factors that play into it. But I think you're hitting on a perfect thing that is related to lots of things. It's mostly how we consume things, I would imagine, more than anything. You know, it's it's the way that we consume things. And then I think what you guys have created is this really special um, pocket um, that it took me back to when I was first playing video games as a kid. And... Um, like Super Mario Brothers or Castlevania and stuff like that. Um, it was different, yeah. obviously, but there was there was that. Um, I don't know. There was a really cool journey. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut in. It was just like no, no, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, it's interesting that you use the word consume or consumption. Um, I don't like. I think um, we we haven't thought enough about the way that we consume games, and perhaps because there's there it's been sort of this one mode of you know, uh, I put time into games, I get good at games, therefore I am a gamer. And, you know, and, uh, you know, you talk to a lot of people and they say, they, they first they say, I don't play games. And the second thing that they say is, oh, I, I, I can't play that. I would be terrible. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is when we're handing them Monument Valley, you know, we're like, would you like to try our game? And they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be crap at it. Don't, I'm so sorry. And people apologize. And I'm like, <laughs> That's, uh, you know, how did, how did we come to this? How did we generate this expectation of video games that they were scary? Um, you know, I... Well, they're, they're taken very seriously nowadays, <laughs> I think, because they're like almost a global economy. Um, not only that, but it's also the, the amount of level of just um, cinematic craftsmanship that goes into them. Um, it's just out of control. The experiences are so immersive and so heavy. Um, I think that's when you went, when you guys went completely in a different direction, but similar, obviously there's, it still has those key fundamentals, but there's something really distilled and, and beautiful. And, uh, and, 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 I don't know how to describe it. It's like you guys, there's like an itch, you know, it's like an itch that you didn't realize I had, but like it hit the spot, you know, you reach that and it's just like, ah, it's perfect. You know, like, and so uh, I think Steve jobs did it really well. Like, you know, with the things that he managed to work on with Apple and creating like the the iPhone, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's funny you mentioned Steve, because I was about to bring up the iPad. Oh, perfect. No, when you, when you, when you talk about an itch that, you didn't even know you had. I mean, I think um, when the iPad came out, a lot of people were like, well, you know, what am I, what's that for? What's that, what's it going to do? Cause it, it's, it's, you know, less portable than an iPhone. It's not as useful as a laptop. And, you know, Steve Jobs was calling it like this magical device. And I think, you know, maybe this is giving him too much credit, but I think he, he saw that, people were ready for a really easy to use computer. That's what the iPad is, you know, yeah. it's a computer for everybody. You know, it's it's the simplest way that you can get your grandparents to, you know, be able to be on 
on Instagram and on Facebook and access Wikipedia and, and all these things, right? Um, and little and, kids too, you know, all yeah, ages. Exactly. I mean, you know, kids they it's so much easier for them to get in on on the touchscreen level, on the app level. And um you know, I, I think part of the reason that um, we got a lot of love from Apple throughout the life of, of Monument Valley is that um, we we had paid a lot of attention to you know Apple's aesthetics and and their design mentality and it it had affected us and so we approached games in the same way we're like well you know how can we approach interactive design in a way that's for everybody you know like how can we take this device the mobile device um, and make the best possible interactive experience possible you know and and, and distill it and down it, yeah yeah and like and kind very of Dieter rams you guys had a lot of Dieter rams things i thought felt you know yeah i felt i felt like not in the not in the surface level but in the gameplay for example um it's like design his, his whole thing is he has that really great mantra of like the rules of design and his his intentional rules of design and i love them because for me they all make sense like great design is no design a great design is function you know like all those things and right. and uh and i know that steve is obviously very influenced by it and it makes complete sense that apple clung to your game to show to showcase it and also say to the world like this is what we need to be making you know like games like these will thrive and people will appreciate because every piece is a it's a, it's a piece of art but it's also an experience that you can go through and journey through and have your mind shift. I, it was so cool. The next day after I had beaten, I, I had brought my iPad out and I sat with my daughter, she's nine years old, <clears throat> excuse me, and I was like, hey, I have this game. I want to, I want to play with you. I want to see. And I just sat there and I watched her play. I didn't tell her anything. I just watched her. Yeah. And uh, it was just so cool to see her interact with that. I also did with my nephews. I have little nephews and they played it. And one of my nephews, is, he's really into puzzles. And so he, he just like stomped right through it and had a blast. That was a lot of fun. They're all fighting over it at the house. So. But oh, that's wonderful to hear. I know that, like, when you make these things, you're so close to them, and it's like it's probably hard to see. You know, I don't. I'm not sure how good at you are at like seeing like the forest for the trees and stuff. Because you know, like, it's I've done big projects where it's like hard to really grasp those things. So. Um, yeah. Anytime anybody tells me about like a personal experience, it's like you know, like hey, I showed my daughter and I played with her, and like so sometimes like those things resonate, and it's like okay, like there's something special here, and those are the human interactions that like we all thrive for, you know, like that's yeah. that's really one of the key things, you know. So yeah, I mean, um, we've been um, really blessed in that um, a lot of a lot of people have written to us like through Twitter or Instagram or, or blog posts and, and told us these types of stories. You know, they're like, um, they, they, they tell us about sharing the game with their kids or with their, with their grown parents. Um, or, um, like some, we've heard from like, there was a teacher at a, a school for children with learning disabilities. Mm. And he said that the game helped get through to them, you know, cause it, 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 they could understand it on, on, on some level, um, which, you know, uh, they, everything made sense to them. It helped relax their brains. Um, you know, we've heard from, uh, you know, older people who, uh, 
you know, there's this one couple who said, you know, you know, uh, we're getting old, but you know, thanks for making this like brain exercise that will help us fight off dementia. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we heard from a guy that was recovering from um, like a brain operation, you know, and he was saying that like a lot of um, a lot of games like stress him out now, but but Monument Valley was really relaxing. Yeah. That's a great um, point too. You, you, you've, yeah. you've had a couple, you kind of touched on a couple of things that we'll have links to, but you've done a couple of really awesome talks. One of them I really loved, I can't remember the event exactly. There's like a big blue background. It's on your blog. And that's another thing that's a really great resource is you guys are really open and clear about like your information and communicating with your fans and everybody that if you, if you're listening to this, you should check out their, um, it's uh, monumentvalley.squarespace.com. I think it's like your, progress blog or your um yeah yeah our development, development blog. blog yeah it's really fantastic uh, the recent thing i that you guys post up was i just thought was phenomenal and it was really inspiring too like just you guys posted up your numbers and the things that you guys have managed to you know the people that have downloaded it and how far they've gone and the levels and this and that and like which countries and stuff and it's just like really phenomenal using this information but like when most companies like you guys are going like the opposite and i, I love it like when most companies would would hide that and shout and, and and like you know let's not share this but you guys feel like let's just be open with it. Like who cares? Like, let's just be, I just, there's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a bold thing to do, you know? And I think I, I, and I appreciate it. There's a transparency there that makes me like what you guys are doing even more, you know? So, Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, this podcast uh, will be full of uh, compliments. So <laughs> be ready. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I think um, it's interesting that a lot of people call us indie, you know, that, that they they assume that we're uh, indie game developers, and we've you know we haven't actually used that term on ourselves um, because you know our our setup is a little is is quite unusual. Um, you know, for those who don't know, yeah, explain uh, us, us to games. Yeah. Us to games is like nine people within um, a two hundred person company of us two, and us two makes um, digital products. Um, for clients uh, like H and M and Tesco and 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 uh, Barclays. Um, so, what is that? What do they make exactly? Like website um, it's stuff, like or? apps, like apps and oh, other apps, interactive okay. products. So, for big um, big clients and stuff, like they'll yeah, make, like, and, and they and they also do their own IP products mm-hmm. and and um, so so you know part of that is is having this this games team as as sort of a hobby project. Like they're like. You know, we make apps. We 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 really treasure this culture of of keeping people happy and keeping people creative. So they have this you know games team on the side, um, which is which is us. It's awesome. And and so we and they give us a lot of independence, which is why you know in some sense we're independent game creators, but then we're also you know sort of tied to this parent company um, who you know, essentially gave us funding. Um, so, um, oh man, I, I lost my train of thought. What were, what were we talking about? Well, you were, you were describing like the indie game thing and how like you're not really indie game because you're like a, you're like a, like a special team and within a big hole, you know, like a, uh, a big group yeah, of people. Yeah. But what were we, what were we talking about before that? 
Um, I, that's all I can remember because I was talking. Yeah, like, yeah. It, was like, it was another compliment. Was, so <laughs> yeah, I was I was making a point. You just mostly about us too. Oh, 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 indie sorry, game thing. Sorry, it was about the numbers. Oh, the numbers. So, sorry. Yeah. So I think it's more typical for um for um independent um crews to release their numbers. Like, there's been a couple of really good um um similar infographics um you know we based ours sort of on um fireproof who did the room and uh cappy games who released some numbers for sword and sorcery mm. um and there's, there's been a bunch of others but you know it tends to be the smaller companies the indie guys who they want to help out the the other indies and they want to help show people you know what kind of you know how much you need to invest and how much you could potentially make from this sort of venture um uh, and you contrast that with, you know, the bigger companies um, who, and the bigger publishers who, you know, maybe it's in their interest to keep their numbers much closer to their to their chests. Sure. So, you know, um, when we released our numbers, we just felt like, you know, that's that's us being a little bit a little bit indie, you know. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Because because we do, you know, a lot of our friends are indies. A lot of, you know, we love indie games and. Um, we want to help anyone else out there that wants to make smaller games or more personal games, I suppose. Or smaller teams, I guess. Is yeah, that more or yeah. less? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, because small the, teams can still make significant power. Like, it's all about your teammates and the people that are building it. Oh, exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's people. <laughs> it's, you know, that's it's, without the people and how they cohesively work together, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen from it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, um, we. I think we always have to be vigilant about that as as well. Like like today, we actually spent the whole day talking as a team about you know the future and, and you know what kind of games we want to make and and you know what if we how how do we work well together as a team and how and you know what can we improve about that? Um, but but there there is this emphasis that like the what made Monument Valley great, you know, what, what made it a success was that the team chemistry and, and, and the way that we talked everything out and, and, and argued things and, and, uh, and yeah. And then, and sort of kept ego out of it. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like, like every one of you guys has an ownership of that game in some way, you know, because the team is so small. I'm, I'm just guessing, but mm -hmm. I feel like everybody had their impression on it in a sense, you know, it feels, it feels like, at least for me, um, it feels very personal. Um, and there's a lot of times I feel, um, there's a couple other games that come to mind. Like there's a game like Journey, for example, yeah. um, which is like, was a phenomenal breath of fresh air. I think when it came out and it, and I, and I watched like, you know, the art of and the making of and all these things behind it from the creators and, one of the guys was saying, like, you know, he did a, a good observation uh, and uh, inside himself and then outside and the world around him and the games and the industry. And he was saying that there was this like, an enormous lack of empathy or like lack of compassion within games. And so he felt like he saw like this this dramatic hole. And then he's like, how can I fill this up? How can I create use my my own abilities and strengths as a you know game creator, uh, world builder, and and f and fill this in, and, and therefore came that project. And I, I remember, I think it's a, it was a pretty small team as well, yeah. like a small team within Sony or something, right? Uh, I mean, they had their own company, but they um, they were essentially like 
um, their projects were being funded by Sony at the time. They had like a three-game deal. Yeah, that's what it which was. Is, which actually says a lot about Sony. Yeah, it know? does. Tremendous amount. Because that was like a really big risk because there was like, it was completely um, against, you know, the things that were pop- were making money, which is more the action-based or the high-intensity or the shooter base. I call those games pew pew games, like pew pew. Because, <laughs> like, it makes it, it, like, it takes all the seriousness out of, like, all of it easily. It's like Call of Warfare Duty Super <laughs> Blaster, pew pew. Like, <laughs> and, like, yeah. Yeah. and I should shut up because, like, I worked on those games. So I should, like, not bite the hand that feeds me. But it's just, like, I can't take that stuff too seriously. You know, it's like, it's, I don't even play those games because it's just, I'm not even good at them. It's so gnarly. Like, I, I had to be, like, like have 40 fingers or something to be able to maneuver yeah. around and stuff. So <laughs> I know. I mean, I, it's weird. There's, there's a lot of weirdness in the games industry right now. It's, it's a little bit like the emperor's new clothes where, you know, like we're starting to become really aware of the hyper violence in games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was exciting when we were pushing new boundaries, but right now, it's like, you know, like in, in one of the latest Call of Duties, the, the newest feature that you could pick out of the trailer was that they've got dogs now. <laughs> um, you know, like yeah. like everybody, it's the same cover mechanics over and over again. Um, people have to, you know, try and find new bad guys. Like It's the know, same I'll, thing with movies, though, you know? It like, is, but at least with movies, there, you know, there is a bit more of a choice, you know, like you know, there'll always be like one or two action blockbusters, but then there'll be something, there'll be something for everyone, hopefully. And, and, you know, you can go out of your way and find an art house cinema and, and, you know, see, see even more experimental or films or, or foreign films. Yeah, that's true. Um, people just don't know where to go for that alternative in games, you know, like if, you know, you take your average, don't you think with the Apple store and you guys getting spotlit and all that kind of stuff and, well, Steam and I mean, all that stuff coming in. I mean, that's like you know, that's us on the App Store. That's that's one game. Sure. And I, I, you know, I'm your game sure led me to Limbo, though. Which oh, led me Which led me to good. all the other ones too. Which is like, was like, cool. It was really well, great. I, yeah. And I was I mean, like happy to pay the amount, whatever it was, to pay to pay for those guys to earn the money that they deserve to entertain me. You know. Awesome. I, yeah. I mean, we we want to. Like I, there's still a lot that can be improved totally. about like recommendation. Like you know, like are you guys thinking about building something like that a platform? That'd be uh, awesome. Well, no, I mean that's that's a bit out of our. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll help you. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> okay. wasn't Steam doing that though? Isn't that what Steam is? I'm I'm really new to this, so I'm I'm asking the question because sure. I'm not sure well, what it is. I mean, actually, Steam is. Uh, I mean, Steam was really broken to begin with, but it's 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 gotten better and better and better throughout the years and um i you know i think some people would still argue that they have a long way to go but but yeah you're right steam is pretty good at recommending games for you and and getting people to recommend games um yeah. like I, I think spotify and pandora are really good for music oh that's true um, yeah as far yeah. as like that is as far as that is concerned yeah yeah but i mean i think we're 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 like culturally we're used to the idea of being recommended music you know what i mean that's true like yeah. like as a culture as consumers uh you know we we acknowledge we we have this pro, this history of you know going to the record store and you know saying oh what's that playing 
and you know you'll hear stuff in the background and you'll hear stuff in ads and and you know the way that people consume music is is they they want they they want to explore diversity and they want to they want to find out more about you know the artists um and with games it's still kind of this basement hobby elitist culture hmm. you know where we're trying to keep girls out and, <laughs> and, you know and it's like oh you're not a real gamer because you know you're not any good at at, at halo Super smash bros <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like my friends are addicted to that game <laughs> great that's awesome i yeah, mean they, but yeah, you know like um like you know you can ask some people like you know, do you play video games? And they'll say no. But then you say, okay, but do you play Candy Crush? And they'll be like, oh, I play Candy Crush. But that's <laughs> and they're like, yeah. you know, we should take Candy Crush as a real game. Like, like yeah. the fact that that's popular and reaching millions and millions of people every day, that's, that's worth talking about. You know, it's, I'm not saying that that's um, the best we can do, but, you know, we should, we should explore that. And and like I said, like maybe they're all paying Candy Crush because they don't know any better. Like, do they know about Monument Valley? Do they know about Limbo? Do they do they know about um, you know all the the great games that are on the App Store, but are you know just aren't the hottest thing this week? Sure. Um, so I, actually, you know, Twitter I, was a good thing too. I mean, because I was talking about Monument Valley a lot and how much I loved it, and I kept bringing it up or like just some of the, the stuff off your guys' development blog, and people were like, you, have you played Limbo? And I think that was how I found Limbo. But then I found other games. Um, or no, actually, a, a friend of mine who I was emailing mentioned Limbo because I mentioned your game. And so it was cool. like a friend-to-friend kind of peer-to-peer basis, you know? Yeah. But no, I you're you're absolutely right. I think that there's this weird thing, and it's really great that you're, you're, you guys or yourself in general are looking at this in a bigger picture, um, trying to discover why and how and, and what to do and, and where to go and how to rebuild things or make something so it's more accessible. And there's all these really weird things. And when you say these things to me, that's like, it's funny when you say them because they're, they're big, they're kind of common knowledge. You know, it's like we play video games, like girls out, you know, like stuff like that, like those silly things, you know, but then you have a game like what you've got, you guys have created and it has this like nice quality to it where it's accessible for the gameplay is accessible from small kids to older people, you know, and where does that fit in? And how do you, you know, how do people get aware of that? You know, I don't know. It's interesting. There's a lot of things. Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, and you know, something, some, something, one of the interesting things that's come out of it is, is, um, you know, Apple has, has asked us like, um, you know, how can we help, um, not just you guys, but how can we help more people, um, get you know make better content for the platform and and make that visible like what do you what 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 can we do to help you guys and wow that's great (laughs) yeah (laughs) when apple's coming to ask you that's really special well you know uh, because you know they they like our work and yeah and they like how they're smart yeah they they make they like that i mean they like how it makes the ipad look and, and makes the iphone look they they would like more content like that sure um, so, I mean, that's so encouraging, um, cause, cause we really respect their work and yeah. It's almost as if like when they, um, 
you know, I'm, uh, when Steve was around or any of these, you know, like all the, all the visionaries are there still. And there's plenty of them because they have some of the best in the industry. Um, when they create these devices, you know, it's, it's gotta be so rewarding when they can see, um, people making these things. And, and, and one thing I, 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 I caught from something that you had mentioned that I felt was really dear to me. And I use it with almost every project that I work on is like every frame has to be like, you can stop it, print it out and yeah. put it up on a wall. And, um, I think Paul Rand might've mentioned that. I'm sure. I'm not sure exactly. I can't remember, but that kind of level is almost kind of like the mad person level of oh, yeah. your love for things, you know, but, um, there's a dedication to it, you know, like you can't, you can't, when you start, when you start with the level of excellence or the level of, of the highest that you can achieve and then some, um, you're going to find what you're capable of and you're going to end up pushing boundaries. And I recently, uh, finished reading Steve Jobs biography. Uh, I actually listened to it. It was, it was a phenomenal listen. It was so long. It was like, it was like 24 hours. I don't know if you've ever gone through it. Yeah, well, I, I I read it. I read it on my iPad actually. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. super pro, Steve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're like any uh, IBM users are. They're like, God, these guys just shut up about this stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's just you know, once once you love these products, it's just kind of like becomes a part of your lifestyle, I suppose, you know. But um, what the thing that I really loved about the stories that I would hear from him is that his reality distortion field, you know, yeah. how he would basically try to take something from the future that was his, in his imagination and f push it on to other people to do it. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, people can criticize him for that cause it's like whatever. But, um, even just this story of the iPhone glass, like how they had to have, they, I think they hired Corning, I think, and how they had to have this glass that was harder than any glass had that has ever been made. And they needed like an amazing amount of it if they were to like reach their shipment goal and the guy was like, this isn't possible. Like, I can do maybe half of this. And he's like, well, I believe in you. You can do it. And like, you know, make it happen. You know, like, so don't mess around. Like, you're playing with the big boys. Like, own up and figure it out, you know. And and then yeah. they did. And that person left that experience. From what I read in the book, like, a changed person realized that, you know, like, I shouldn't doubt myself. I am capable of better and bigger. And that's what I'm going back to when you look at a project and you, and you treat each one as a piece of art that you know that people aesthetically, if you understand design and understand how to make something aesthetically pleasing, if you put that into your project, whatever it is, like it's going to be a success on some level. There's a guarantee, you know? Oh, you think so? <laughs> I think so. I think I think that, and that's all subjective, right? You know, because some people go like, you know, um, Tomb Raider. It's like everything is a work of art, and it's really beautifully rendered. Or even Call of Duty, like, look at this level; it looks so cool. Or look at the way this blood splatters, you know? Right. And so well, that's subjective. Um. It. Well, I. You know what I would say to that is, um, I I believe that there's been a, a bit of a misunderstanding about what our medium actually is mm. you know like you know like when when film was first invented um it was seen as this travesty like this like it, it would never compare to the theater you know theater is real and film is is, is but a copy of it you know a, a poor copy and it you know it they began by by sort of emulating the language of the theater 
and um, and it had to evolve and find its own language and find its own strengths and and find its own artists. And I I think that um, uh, people have misunderstood. Some people have misunderstood the language of um, interactive digital entertainment. Um, there's been a lot of people believe that the core of what of what we do is mechanics. You know, it's gameplay and rules, and that the art and the story and the music are just are sort of gloss on top, like it's a layer that you could kind of interchange it. And, and it wouldn't really change the soul of the game. And I think that's like, uh, it's a very limiting interpretation of, of our, of our art form. It's really limiting like worldview because it, it ignores that a lot of like people, people are humans and we enjoy beauty and we enjoy the, the synthesis of art and animation and music and, and what happens when you interact with interact, that. Interact, you know? yeah. So, um, you know, all those details matter. And the fact that we're limited to pixels and a certain palette and, and the certain camera angles, um, that you, you have to take that into account. You know, like um, when you are designing a car or you're designing a sailboat or you're designing, um, you know, a, a beautiful lamp, you take into account the functionality and how it's going to be used and, and where it's going to be placed. Um, and I, I I don't know if like uh, for example you know I don't know if the first Tomb Raider is a necessarily great example of um, understanding that visual language and 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 what it's been used what it can be used for you know this this resurgence of what we call eight um, bit art or, or pixel art mm-hmm, I love um, it recently yeah yeah but you know it's funny like back in the day. Uh, 20 years ago, we didn't call that 8-bit art or pixel art. We just called it, you know, video game graphics. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, um, they didn't, it wasn't understood that that's what the medium was. Like that, you know, that squares were, you know, that's that's the essential building block and you have to work within that, those constraints. It They were always, well, I mean, the majority of games were always trying to push that to be more realistic and higher fidelity um, to achieve, to try and pull off um, mimicry, right? Yeah. And it's only like after the fact, after we went 3D and we went HD that we went back and we're like, oh, that stuff that, I, that we grew up with, what if we leveraged that and used it as an aesthetic? And and that's how pixel art came about, you know? Yeah. And I, and I love that. I love that. Um, only sort of when we had the perspective of hindsight could we could we approach it in an artistic way, you know. Like, and now we can go back and and analyze uh, Street Fighter or Mario Brothers or Tetris, and and we're kind of more aware of how we were playing those games, right? So you it's know, through limitation but, though, you know, I think it's through the limitation of being crafty within those limitations, you know. Right, right, and yeah. and and I I want more of this inventiveness in games, you yes. know, like it's it's starting now where people are like, you know, especially in, in game jams, it's like, well, well, how can we make something meaningful and innovative in forty eight hours or in in ten hours, mm-hmm. um, you know, like 
how can what can we do on a single screen or what can we do on a train ride or um, you know given this theme you know we're just going to write this theme and everybody has to make a game about that um, you know those are such interesting constraints yeah I think it's like it's that's problem solving and it's chorus sense you know where you're trying to f build your way out of this box that you've been created inside you know and mm. yeah there's I think through the limitation of things, sometimes you brought up cars, for example. I mean, every car, it's designed, almost all of them have to have four wheels. So that's a one yeah. design restraint, and the wheels have to be round. So no yeah. matter well, what you do. I mean, yeah. Or think about safety and, and oh, fuel God, efficiency. It's crazy now. And, yeah. and um, you know, just like, um, like material strengths and, and all that. I mean, those are so many constraints, and people still manage to make works of art. Out of yeah. Cars. yeah it's crazy yeah. especially nowadays you look at like cars like the new gt gtr like the nissan gtr is like it's just such a crazy um there are the lexus isf for example or any like the supercars the lexus IF, isf for example is just a it's a sheer like uh, achievement from a company basically because they didn't even make it to make money they just did it to achieve <laughs> it i don't know if you've ever heard about that or seen it there's this really beautiful documentary about the behind the scenes of how they made the lexus isf and why it's phenomenal i know you'd probably really appreciate it because just the level of um it's very japanese too like the level yeah. of just high level of um just craftsmanship and the, the highest of senses and yeah it's just really it's really phenomenal it's really amazing cool i'm actually not a a, a car person at all but my I make you one this <laughs> <laughs> like you made me a game person oh, yeah well, and you know what i actually i love um i love hearing about other worlds you know like something that i don't know anything about like yeah. supercars and I, I i love having someone explain to me you know what the status quo quo is and and how someone defied that you know how someone reinvented something or or you know or or brought art into something, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, there, there's tons of art in those things, man. The Ariel Atom or any of those things. The Bach Mono is like it's like it was inspired by like Kent, Chris Cunningham's Bjork uh, music video. Oh, which, I love that video. Have you ever seen the Bach Mono? I I haven't. Oh, it's fucking nuts. And then also you're out in the UK, right? So yeah. Wait. So, so you're saying that they made a car that looks like Bjork pretending to be a robot? <laughs> Look at. Let's see. Let me send you a link. Uh, Bachmano. Uh, you'll see what I mean. Um, I'm gonna All send right. you a link to the images. Um, and it, so you're in the UK. There's one of my favorite shows is called um, Top Gear. And Jeremy yeah. Clarkson, it's like a religion out there, I, I imagine, <laughs> to most people. But um, yeah, he uh, there's a special there's a there's an episode where he test drives it, and it's just really awesome. But if you look at so they're using they're using you know all the basic rules. There's wheels and and then an engine and where they place the engine and everything. But this car is is a stunning, absolutely stunning work of art. <laughs> it's stunning. It's beautiful. Like yeah, at every angle, and and most cars have an angle, right? But this car at every angle is has something to tell you about its design, and that what you're feeling is then the this, the the uh, the influences of the designers, and I think that is what I experienced when I played your game from your team. I felt like I'm feeling the intentions of the programmer right now, and. Huh. 
and that and i don't I, sh- I never would ever pay attention to that really and i was like the confines of having to know that you have to restrain your character to this just this path is very interesting and so these there's just these choices you know and I, and as an observer i i can tell you're very much similar in the uh where we're constantly observing right and pulling from the world around us and so for me when i experience something new because you only get one first encounter and so i was trying to really enjoy uh the experience and in any in anything too you know but um take it all in and try to record it in my mind and stuff so but yeah cool like you were you were mentioning what were you saying about the character being limited to a to a single path yeah, so the thing I thought was really interesting is, um, like you mentioned, being stuck to uh, restraints in a sense and using the device, uh, understanding what Apple's aesthetic is, basically. And so when Ida's walking around, it's based off of where you tap to have her move. And she, if she can't go there, and then she can't. She can, she can. And I watched the, uh, the behind the scenes of the Unity thing, how it was all broken down and trying to decipher the isometric 3D like perspective to create that um, Escher effect and stuff. And I thought that was really great. But being, so if you build a level, um, so like let's use example, one game that comes to mind that I was addicted to as a kid was Castlevania. And you're mm-hmm. just scrolling from left to right and back and forth depending on what you're trying to attack. And you you, you smack stuff with a whip and you collect rubies and you hit Medusa in the head and you're, <laughs> and you're following that path. And then um, there's games that I was addicted to as well, like Doom, um, when it came out on PC, and it was like this huge like world that you can explore. And then now it seems like there's a linear game that's like um, these games that are out now, where it's just like a journey that you follow, yeah, and, and which is great. It's not a massive world. But then there's your game that you guys have created, and it's it has those confines. Like you're stuck to these things. Like I can't jump her into the water. It'd be it would be a whole different experience if like. I could just like randomly move her around and like jump uh-huh. into the water and go for a swim and then come back onto the land and stuff. It's like, it's like, no, you're here to solve this puzzle. You're here to get her there. And the, the destination, the intention and the journey, I just thought was really interesting. So mm, I don't, I mean, I don't I, know if I answered that well, it's just well, <laughs> rambling I on. I don't think I properly asked the question, but um, I, I just wanted to interrogate that because it was interesting. Um, I think that one thing that Apple does brilliantly that, um, you know, not a lot of people, or, or some people don't realize, is that they, 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 a lot of what's great about their designs is what they take out. You know, yes. the, the the limitations that they put on the user experience, where they, I think they try to not let you make bad choices. You know, they remove confusion. They move. They remove like, you know, the fact that um, when when Steve came back to Apple. He pared all of their products down to just um, to, to four products, you know, desktop and portable, um, consumer level and pro level. Um, and I, so I, so I think you know that we were always we experimented with adding more to Monument Valley, like trying different features, trying to make the, like for example, like giving the player more control over the camera. So that they could zoom in at any time, and they could set their own zoom level and pan around and explore the world that way. And in the end, we decided that you know to, to, to try and get this goal of having every screen be a work of art, we decided that we needed to, to, to retain control of the camera. Yep. Um, 
And it's that's great. a that's a trade off that um, it's 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 unusual, you know. Like usually, you want to let the player have more freedom and and more, have more control. And it's it's really difficult because you know it constrains our level design. All the levels have to fit onto one screen. Yep. Um, but because we made that trade off and it was so unusual, you know, it was unusual to to put that limitation on ourselves. Um, we 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 came up with something different. You know, we had to come up with different types of level designs. Um, and um, I, I yeah, I, just I think, think of all the puzzles that were made on paper or the pencil. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's not like we're reinventing the wheel. And if anything, you have way more tools than ever before to to go and get lost in that black hole. And that's I think you're saying it's perfectly. It's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know. Yeah. And and, yeah. and, and, I mean, and I, knowing when to pull the brakes is that's really the level of mastery, I think, you know? Right, right. And so I feel like I'm really excited about small games, you know, small yeah. games and small teams because I feel like um uh we're 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 figuring out it's a diminishing returns game when it comes to large games, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, so big. Most people can't tell them apart. Um, they're all kind of they're they're you know they're doing the same things, and they're they're trying to find excuses for like, well, why do you know why do we have to go over there and collect more of those? You know, <laughs> why do I, why is there like another boss? And you know, um, and people just grind through a lot of these games. But you know, if you only have to make a two-hour game, and if you only have to make, you know um a hundred grand to break even. Yeah. And and if you only have to um make it beautiful and meaningful for a handful of people instead of, you know, for millions of people, then then you can do so many diverse, crazy, weird things. Yep. And we need more games like that. Like we need more games that or or I mean, the games that are made like that, they don't get enough recognition, you know, they don't get enough celebration, they don't get the distribution. Let's change that. that. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> How can All we? Right. I mean, uh, you're proposing lots of interesting things and I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe it's, my, I, it's, I think um, I, I have a fault of like, and I, I, if I see a problem, I must solve it. It's like part of my nature, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I don't know what it is and it's kind of haunting actually. It's not very good. <laughs> but, <laughs> when you're saying all these things, I'm like, why not? You know, like the reason why this podcast actually got started is because how horrible the visual effects industry was taking a toll on just other artists and creatives. And I was like, this is crap. Like we really need to have like a collective area for people that are in the industry that need more information or can hear from like mm -hmm. direct, honest people. And now it's turned into, you know, obviously we're having these debates and conversations about not debates, but conversations about video games and the futures of them and, and, and all these things. And it's just, it's an amazing thing. And now it's what it is, but the intention was to help with all these other things. And I think that there's definitely, um, you have, you're proposing a lot of really, serious concerns and real things and 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 i and i'm trying to think to myself like how could we and it's like if, if there's like you know millions and mil millions of people going on reddit uh how can you create that same kind of thing but yeah. for games and but games in the way where like you said it perfectly too if like if you're working on it and on a, a small game an achievable game with with like four of your friends or two or eight and you're working all very, very well together, and you're um, 
honest about your numbers and say like after a year of work you need to make three hundred thousand dollars to break even and and you sell the game for five dollars a pop then you it's you're it's only going to be a certain amount of people that need to pay for the game at full price in order for you to make your money back you know yeah i, I mean and and i don't want to take you know credit for proposing all these things because there are people out there who are actually doing things about it you know there are people who are um encouraging people to make small games and have game jams and they're they're creating tools to help other artists and they're organizing festivals uh and they're they're bringing games to schools to educate you know the next generation uh who are these people and these things uh well it's funny you ask because um I've been really fortunate to do a little bit of work with these guys um, based in Australia who are making a documentary called Game Loading, mm, Rise cool. of the Indies. And um, it's a documentary about the whole indie game scene oh, and about great. why people make indie games and what indie games are and, and how indie games are different from the games that you, know, you might have grown up with. Um, and so um, I encourage... Um, you know your listeners who are interested to to check out. The, I think the the documentary is actually coming out in um, in just a couple of months. What's it called so it's again? Not, it's called Game Loading. Game Loading. Okay. Yeah, and um, and so I've I've seen an early cut of the film and it's it's brilliant. Awesome. Um, and it it says better than I ever could um, what the potential of games are and and who's making games now. Um, even if you just watch, you know, trailers for it and, and the early material, it's it's so inspiring, um, you know, and the, the 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 generosity of these people and their ambition and their artistry, it's it's so inspiring. I mean, Monument Valley is simply like a blockbuster mainstream um, sort of. Uh, I, uh, you know, that's just one example of the potential of video games. There are so many um, little games that you've probably never heard of um, that that you might love. Um, and it's just, we, we just have to work more on, you know, getting the message out, you know, helping people like you find more games that they'd like. Like Limbo, I mean, I'm so, that's really awesome to hear that i'm really frustrated right with it right now though yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I think it's because of the controls restraints on my i have an iphone plus too so it's really big but i i'm a pretty big person like i'm six two so i don't have like baby hands you know yeah and uh i'm getting to the point where it's like turning into contra I remember it's like you gotta freaking jump yeah. on this thing grab this thing <laughs> like perfect time like if you're like two things off you're like screwed and i have to do it like 20 times i'm like ah so it, I do, I, the, the world itself is just really phenomenal. And the world itself reminds me of like my friend Ben uh, Hibben's work, which is like, um, I'm not sure if they are influenced by it, but he did that really stunning um, short little, uh, like little story inside that Harry Potter film. The oh, Tale yeah. of Three Brothers is just so, oh, so stunning, that. you know, but that shadow play stuff, which is like, um, what's her name? There's this one older woman who would do all those puppets, um, shadow puppets. I have one of her movies. It's phenomenal. It's just amazing work. Um, but it's all, you know, it's like everything comes from an influence. And even in your game, I can see like, oh, this is kind of similar to that Fez thing where it moves like <laughs> that. And that's cool. And like, 
But what's great is like, there's nothing, I don't know, I'm, depends on what your viewpoint on it, but there's nothing really truly original necessarily. It's just like all the things that you take from the things that you like and what you create from those things, you know? And yeah, I, can, yeah. I feel all your guys' influences, you know? But it's like you've managed sure. to, to create something else from it. And like Fez was like obviously an influence of many other things too. And um, I haven't yeah. I haven't played Cappy's game oh. just yet. I need to play that because those are, those are oh, really so nice guys too. And it's beautiful looking, so... Um, I, you know, I think, um, I would encourage, um, you know, video game creatives to, to look beyond other video games, um, mm. if they can, because I, I think that, um, our industry suffers a lot. It's, it's very incestuous. Like people, people want to remake the games that they grew up with. You know, they want to, they want to like do their own version of Mario or Tetris or, or Doom. Um, and that's that's all well and good, and it's it's actually probably a, the most efficient way to learn. But when when you're thinking like an artist, and you're like, you know, I want to make, I want to write my own songs, and I want to, I want to, you know, you know, finding my own painting style. Um, you have to, you kind of have to look a bit beyond and say, like, you know, like when we designed Monument Valley, we were inspired by. Middle Eastern architecture and by M.C. Escher and by bonsai trees and by, by poster design. Um, you know, we design, we design using Pinterest a lot because um, yeah, Pinterest is such tool, like huh? an eclectic visual feast of like, you know, the world's best and most interesting um, imagery. And there's, there's so much. Like I, I play this little game where I'm like, I just, I, I go through Pinterest and I'm like, you know, how could that be a game? What what game would that be? Hmm. Um, that's how yeah. G-Monk, my friend Bradley G-Monk, uh, oh, yeah. he, that's how he works. He's very much on like, and I, I go back and forth through that because maybe sometimes I, I fear that if I look at too many things and I'm just going to um, create like a repeat from something, I mean, <laughs> you, know? And yeah. you know what I'm talking about. And so if I aren't you that guy who remade the Ghost in the Shell? Yeah, yeah, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I work, helped work on it and build it together. So, um, yeah, and that was for that project it was just more of like it's it turned it started as an innocent like just oh let's make some style frames and like have fun to like this huge freaking shoot like that I had to find model and like all these things. It was this huge ordeal and then. Because it was like actually really hard to find a pool here in San Diego that would allow for nudity, and it was heated, and it was like closed up, and didn't cost like ten thousand dollars. So, isn't, just, isn't SeaWorld in San Diego? Yeah, SeaWorld's in San Diego, but I don't go to those things. I don't, <laughs> I don't support that stuff. It's oh, just, me too, man. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. I had to do uh, research for like I was going to work on a game about marine parks. Yeah, and so I did research, and I'm like. Oh wow, yeah, you know, it's not cool to keep animals like that in, in such a short in such a small uh space. Yeah, it's really gross. I don't support that stuff. But yeah, it's yeah. down here. But, but, but naked yeah. chicks, that's cool. Yeah, naked chicks, great. You can put them in a tub. And <laughs> and <laughs> film them. Just film them, yeah. Yeah, I remember my wife is like, oh, you're going to do what? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember going like, it's for art. Support the art, yeah. babe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm like, there's going to be other people there. Yeah, no, that was a crazy journey. But, you know, when you go out and set out to do these things, they become themselves. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm influenced by uh, Japan so much in my work and um, Ghost in the Shell and Akira and all those things are super influential on me. 
Um, and there's been so many people asking me, are you going to make the film? Or are you going to finish that or whatever? And for me, I'm like, no, I already did it. I wanted to make like 40 4k amazing still images that's that's all i cared about and a lot of people were like make the movie i'm like yeah well you know like give me a freaking money then it's a very crazy costly adventure you know and it's so much stress and uh, so much stress like like i mean you know we touched upon you know the idea of breaking even or making profit on on small games like like how like how does that how did your shoot work like that must have cost you know, you know, five figures and up, like, and you know, you, there's a whole bunch of people in the credits, over a dozen people. Like, man, how does everybody that work? did like, every, everybody dedicated their time. So, like Tim, my photographer buddy, who like I wanted to work on this together. We mm-hmm. we were he was like we're trying to find a project to work on together, you know. And so, um, I said, hey, I have this idea. Um, let's do this ghost in the shell thing. I can think it'd be a lot of fun. And, and I was like, this is what we'll need. And I showed him reference of like really beautifully lit female forms. And I said like, you know, if we light the body really well and do an abstract and, and I'm, I'm like, I know you're capable of doing it good because Tim is like world-class. He's one of the best in what he does in the world. And I'm just so fortunate that he lives here and he's a friend of mine. And so we did that. So, you know, if I had to pay Tim, oh, it would be no way it would be possible. So Tim and I basically split the cost of the of the shoot itself, which is like catering and, you know, hiring the model and um, and his assistants and stuff. And I think it was like turned out to be like five grand. Okay. And then everybody wow. else, it, we we broke up the project into bite sized pieces as much as we could so that everybody else could handle their piece um, without killing themselves. Some people did, myself included, in that, you know it just ate at me for like 14 months. It just like, just constant. Months, yeah. Constant base camp updates. So it was like, I was directing and producing and designing and overseeing everything. It was like, ah, oh. <laughs> I touched like everything that I could just to make yeah. sure like it got to that level. You know what I mean? You know? So, well, do you know how long Monument Valley took? It was like, I read is like 12 months or 14 months or 50, uh, yeah, 50, like six that's weeks or something like all the ports and and some support and stuff but <sighs> and so like from sort of inception to release it was more like 10 months oh man <laughs> so yeah that, which is super super fast but yeah that is fast i, I, I like it's uh, it's i find it funny that it, it took you you know longer than that to do your your 40 stills but i mean that's how like, dare that's, you sarah <laughs> but that's dedication, you know, like Oh yeah. You should see um, these files. I'll send you these files. You'll be amazed by these uh, files. <laughs> no, it is dedication. You know, you you set out to do something. I mean, once that I had committed to this photo shoot and I had the model there and, and Tim and, and I had and I told Tim, I said, Trust me, I'm gonna take this and make it better and make it awesome and once I told him that, I gave him my word and my word's my bond, you know. If I say I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. And, um, that was really when I realized, oh fuck, like I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> when I came back the night from the shoot, I was just, I was, I was fried because it was a very long shoot. But at the same time, I was just so energized because I was looking at, I already saw it 14 months or 10 months or eight months away. And I saw it, it's beautiful. It's going to look fantastic. It's going to be amazing. It went viral. It broke my website. Like it just went <laughs> crazy. It was everywhere for like a two weeks solid. It was just like blowing everything up. My emails, it was like thousands of th- emails and stuff. It was crazy. And it did exactly what I felt it should have done. It's like show people the possibility of translation, you know, in the artistic form, you know? Yeah. And, but it was just like a personal project. Like, yeah, I personal mean, project. 
Like you didn't do it to make money or no, break no, even or anything? I didn't make any money. I spent yeah. money. <laughs> it is not about money, you know? Like, I mean, money, of course, is great. I have a family. I own a house. I live in San Diego. It's expensive here, you know? But yeah. fortunately, like, I'm good at what I do with the other stuff, and I'm able to make a good wage, so I'm able to balance them, you know? So, Right. But, I you, mean, I, go ahead. I, I, well, I think that, um, like, games maybe um still has a lot of holdover from software development you know people still they they see it as like or maybe you know app development is is kind of becoming the dominant paradigm for mobile games where it's like you know people think well i, I you know i'm going to start a business i'm going to have a startup and i'm going to do a kickstarter and you know I, I could design a game and 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 you know a lot of people are in it for the money or or money's becoming you know I feel like the film industry is becoming such a controlling factor yeah. that that you know creators are are losing their power. Um, and um, I love I love that you put your own money into your art because oh, you, you believe in it. And 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 I you know and there's a, there's all these indies who are who are doing that same thing. I mean. Um, you know, I'm very proud of Monument Valley, but you know, we were salaried the whole time. Yeah. Um, so you know, we had a safety net and and a bunch of know. whips, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's why. <laughs> no, that's we, good though. And that, and that keeps us in check. You know, yeah. like we remember that. Um, like we're very proud of our work, but but there's other people like doing you know crazy experimental things and. Um, and we're, you know, we're, it's great to be compared with them sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we, we owe it to, to ourselves and to them to always be, be pushing artistry, you know, like the, yeah. the fact that we have um, reliable funding and the fact that we made a, you know, a decent return on Monument Valley, that just means that, you know, we, we have no excuses. You know, if someone is willing to, to put five years of their life into a game, then, then we want to, you know, have a bit of that in in our in our work as well. That's wonderful. That's the best way of looking at it, and I think those are really great points. And also, I think the idea that of not letting money necessarily dictate what you think is a success. And and I think there's a quote. I don't know if I've heard it or I've heard it in my dream or whatever. But this <laughs> it's like a it's a thing that I listen to a lot of, like you know kick some ass today books you know like because uh, I, I just get i get really pumped up on like i'm like right now i'm going through like the four-hour work week and i'm just like yeah fuck that's cool you know like i get all excited about the concepts and stuff just being better and more efficient and stuff and and um one of the things i thought was is like no if, if anybody's going to invest in you it has to be yourself and mm. if you're not willing to take a risk on yourself and nobody else is and so like you know, like example, like Ghost in the Shell, and that was so many people thought, like, aren't you wanting to make the movie, or are like, why don't you reach out to Rupert Saunders or anything? I'm like, no, I like, I don't really. That's not my intention. Like, a real big part of it was also to make sure that um, the original director of the anime saw it, and and I heard that he did, and he thought it was really impressive. He was really like, oh, that's amazing. He was more impressed, and he was more like, I don't understand why they even did it. Like, he was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. like, why why would they have gone through such like that's really beautiful you know like so it's more curious and just wondering you know so but i want to also say like you and your team have single-handedly and also ollie have single-handedly influenced me to want to make my own game like and i'm developing one right now because i'm just oh, so awesome. excited and i want to make a game that 
you're going to someday email me and go like, that was awesome. Like I really had a lot of fun with this and that's my goal, you know, like, so the same thing with like the ghost in the shell is like my secret, like, um, thing was to, to have the original anime director see it, you know, like no matter what, just make sure that he saw it in some capacity. And then he did. And I, and I've heard through friends that he enjoyed it, you know? So that was really great. Awesome. Yeah. Those little goals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Keeping it, well, I guess, keeping your um, your your goals realistic in some form, you know, somewhat manageable. Because I don't know, if you are too unrealistic about your goals, I think that you can lead yourself to, it's like expectations can lead you to really odd predicaments, you know? And Well, but hang on, you just said that Steve Jobs told people to do impossible things with glass. <laughs> I'm not Steve Jobs, though. I mean, yeah. I, I, I find what he had, has done in this world to be fantastically f- interesting, but I don't necessarily agree with everything that he did, you know, like, it's sure, not, I don't but, know if I have the same path as him and I, but there are things obviously, but yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I feel like we're not all, you know, you're not Steve Jobs, but you're Ash Thorpe and, and that's still pretty good. And, and, uh, you know, you're here to, I think, be the best Ash Thorpe you possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it's not like it's like my mom or something. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm serious. <laughs> same, I, I could say the same to you. So, no, I I know what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I well, I, I, you know, I, I, I've, you know, people have said to me, you know, I don't think I could have made anything like Monument Valley. Like that's. It was so beautiful and perfect and, and amazing, and like I I couldn't do that, and I'm like that's that's self defeating, you know. Sure, like, sure. Did I say something made... like that? Sorry. Did I say something self defeating? Uh, no, 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 you didn't. I was like, what? I was uh, like trying to think back. Like, what did I say? <laughs> oh, I mean, I I mean, I'm trying. I'm like putting out the message out there to maybe people that might be listening that um, that. Um, like you shouldn't be intimidated by, by people that are successful. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the best that any of us can do, you know, including Steve Jobs, is, is to go to work each day and, and try and do their best job possible. Yeah. And sometimes you fail. And, you know, uh, you know, something that a lot of people don't realize about the Monument Valley team is that we've all worked on projects that didn't work out. You know, the game that we made before Monument Valley, you know, made a tiny, tiny amount of money and nobody heard about it. Um, and it just wasn't very good. And, and we learned from that. Um, and, you know, we've all worked on projects that kind of bombed and, you know, that's but, part of the experience. So, you know, yeah, yeah. But, you know, some people only see, the successes they only see the wins sure um, and and um it's uh, people have this weird conception of what a successful artist is or or looks like you know like they they think that they come out and maybe it's you know the problem of youtube or or something that you you know it can generate sort of these instant celebrities you know mm-hmm. or like or like twitter celebrities or whatever <laughs> what is and, that really though i mean that is that anything sustainable i i i think that that for me it's it's like it's like tissue paper you know it feels so fragile and so like of the moment it just feels like a blink you know 
compare yeah. that compare a YouTube celebrity to say Mozart, you know, <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Well, but, but I mean, like I, I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe monument value is like tissue paper. Like what if, what if we never create anything that's as amazing again? Um, don't do that. I mean, don't say that. Come on, <laughs> Steve Jobs. Come on, man. Uh, no, I, no, I well, know what you're saying. You know, Steve Jobs is a huge. I don't think so. But I, I, I. You guys have uh, the formula. Uh, you're just gonna you, now. You you're just gonna have to mix it up and try different things. But you have the, you know the formula now. You know. Do we? <laughs> I I would think so. And my my assessment of your formula that's working is a great team that works well uh, together, and just being original about your ideas by pulling inspiration from things that aren't really obvious, if that makes sense. All right. That's uh, what I think. Don't you I'm, think? I'm glad you figured it out. Cause I we know just, I have not figured it spent, out. Like we literally spent all of today trying to figure it out. Did you guys come to some kind of resolution as to what you think it is? And it's all um, bespoke. It's all personal, right? Every relationship's different, you know? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I think everybody agreed that the team like the team chemistry yes. is is was you know really critical to the success of Monument Valley, and I think um, like trying to just make a really high quality, accessible experience for mobile, there aren't there's very few people doing that, um, and and that's why we were kind of able to claim that niche. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, we'll. We'll try it again, but um. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, I mean, that, that's another thing. I like how I brought up, like, you, if you're so close to something, it's kind of hard to see outside of it, you know. And I would probably be saying the same thing because you are living it, you know. And so a lot of it probably doesn't, you can't see it, maybe, you know. And like I said, I don't know you guys. I don't know how you guys are operating and stuff. But my, I, I spent a lot of time in my life reading books and studying say like projects and I bring it up all the time is like a movie like Alien for example it's a genre crushing film like nothing like you it's just like there's been no film better than that in that genre you know? like the first Alien is like you just can't whoa, touch whoa, whoa. it like what Atheist? <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> I know you're poking fun at me <laughs> you're trying to get something out of me here no um so we'll leave Prometheus for another I, I conversation hope, hope if Ridley Scott's listening I get what you were trying to do man yeah, we all do. And, and and it's a bummer because like even if you listen to the commentary, like you almost feel bad because it's like you know that he wanted to have he had great intentions and they just got destroyed by the machine of what making films is, you know? And that's yeah. just that's the state of the film industry right now. It's just completely a shattered broken machine and it's like it's just this like weird thing that people are just in this rhythm like you're you I'm really into movies and that's my world. And so when you talk about games, it's really funny. It's almost like I'm hearing myself talk about movies because <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming you love movies as well, but you yeah, are, yeah. you are well, in, into games. Like I am into movies, you know, like oh, knowing no, I, I'm probably in a movies the way you're in a movie. Oh really? Okay. Let's talk yeah, about movies too. Like that'd be awesome. Yeah. Cause well, well, we can talk about though, alien. Cause like that was my example. It's like alien oh, was, yeah, of course. alien um, was a perfect thing it was well, like this i'm actually i'm actually more of an aliens person oh what okay well let's talk about the different <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because that is like um a lot of times people will think i'm saying aliens and not to at all to take away from what jim had created in the team like that's an awesome film and it has an amazing adventure and it's fully action-packed but for me i felt like 
what Ridley Scott had done. It was like the first, when you listen to it, when I watched this movie, I have to take myself all the way back to those years. When, yeah, look how old were you when you watched Alien? Oh, I was very young and it fucked my head up, man. Because <laughs> it was so, it, the alien is so sexual and it's so just weird and dark and mysterious in the way that he, he um, released the, the, the image of the alien to me as a child when I first watched it. It was like this this dark being. Had, in other directors, they might like spotlight the freaking thing and show you all the, the expensive rubber that they paid to have on this thing, you know? But really is very much an artist and, and he can see it in his work he's an artist through and through and he's a visionary and you can feel that in that film and you just you know you had the perfect it was like the perfect storm of many things and you had like mobius and you had um ron cobb and all these guys and you also had like um hr geiger yeah geiger for is example it, i mean geiger with or a, geiger? you know i've heard so many different things i just whatever you feel is right, right. <laughs> you know I like mean, like like you know the idea to hire on Geiger, the idea to hire this guy who makes you know weird, sexualized, like really sexualized, you know, alien kind of art paintings yeah. from Switzerland. Like that was Dan O'Bannon imagine, too, yeah, who brought yeah, that. Like like how like how can people like I just imagining on the film set people are like going what yeah they were what is going on but it's like. <laughs> Who's this satanic guy in the back with all wearing dark and like painting yeah. this weird monster? You know, what yeah, what, what are and, we making here? Yeah, and like <laughs> using real skulls and like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's very crazy, but it's so raw. And it's like, that's why I say, I think for me, Alien as a film, when I take myself back all the way to when, when that was created, how there was nothing even close. Not even like, and the script itself is not like amazing script, but it's that world and the way that Ridley told and showed that world and built it out, and just the the pacing, the staging, the setup, and then the original ideas and the original content. Like now, when we look at it, there's so many people who are influenced by Alien, whether they know it or not, and so it's kind of like we're oversaturated with it. But if you can really take yourself and sit back and think, I'm I'm thinking it's like what was like late 70s when it came out. I can't remember. Uh, 79? 79, yeah. So late 70s. So that's, that's two years after Star Wars. Yeah. And I, mm. I wasn't born until 83. So, I mean, I yeah. saw it when, like, I don't know, I might have been like 10 or 11 or something. Well, see, like, see, I grew up with Aliens, and I watched Aliens at about that age. Mm. And then I didn't see Alien until, like, I was 20-something. Mm, okay. So, so that's why I'm definitely, like, an Aliens. Is it more nostalgic and stuff for you? Well, I mean, it's, maybe it's, you know, because I ended up, you know, getting really into video games. And in many ways, Aliens is like one of the most influential uh, movies on video games. Like every time you see Space Marines, like Gears of War, yeah, that's all based on Aliens, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tons um, of it. Tons of stuff has been so heavily influenced and completely ripped off. And out, out. that's why I thought Alien Isolation was really great because it's like, hey, if we're going to do this, we might as well just do it. You know, like, might as well just make the Alien game, you know? And the principles yeah. well, that where the game was based around I thought was phenomenal. You know, like, one of the, the genius things that they did with that game is they went back to Alien yes. instead of Aliens, right? Yes, yes. one Alien. Every, almost every video game has been a riff on, on Aliens. Yes. Like, even the official Alien 3 video games which were, you know, um, they, they looked like 
Alien 3, which has one alien. But they, they featured tons of aliens, including the Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, they, like they, they did the only thing that they could, which is pull back. You know, it's like it's in line with what we were talking before. Like, yes. you know, do more with less. Less is and, more, yeah. And the lesson from Jaws which is from whatever, 1975. That's a perfect film too. Um, of, of, you know, show, don't tell and, and let people use their imaginations, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's actually a lot of how Monument Valley works. You know, there's, there's actually very little animation and, and, you know, almost no detail in Monument Valley. So a lot of, a lot of it plays out in people's heads. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that too. You have your, you yeah. have her walk cycle, her her climb cycle, and then the birds, the crows, yeah. their their cycle, and then obviously a lot of other little things, but the main things, you know. Yeah, and and they're, and they're very understated. You know, yes. it doesn't have like Pixar levels of animation. It's it's all really intentional because um, it, it, they're meant to be symbolic, and you're you're kind of meant. To, it's meant to just happen in your head, um, and. Um, but it, yeah. letting the letting the audience member um, take active role in, in filling the blank is a tremendous amount of success in films, and that's one thing that mm. I get really frustrated. And maybe it's just me, but then like you know, films like let's say like Transformers, which is just visually overwhelming. It's like <laughs> like uh, it's it's it's. I mean, everybody that worked on that, bravo, because it looks amazing, right? It looks stunning, but. I would rather watch Alien, and this is just my personal preference because wow. I want to fill in the I, blanks, you know. I mean, like, uh, I mean, are we talking about Transformers One here or Transformers as a series? I don't. I just see them all as the same thing. <laughs> well, because so. okay, I um, actually, honestly, I've only watched partial of each one, maybe, uh, and just I'd flash forward just to see the graphics and stuff. So. Or the the fight scenes because I don't like it was driving me nuts this <laughs> the, the the script and that is just driving me nuts so, yeah but I'm not uh, it's not geared for me though it's geared for somebody else it's made for a, a different viewer you know uh, yeah I mean I still think <laughs> that I mean the thing is you go you, like you take like a like a, a genuinely good action blockbuster like like Terminator 2 sure. or like Die Hard, right? And those films understand the language of cinema, you know, the shot, the cut, framing, uh, you know, lighting. And like I feel like I want to objectively say that that Transformers, although it has redeeming features, it, it, the a lot of the shots are really terrible. Like the the visual. Okay, you're you know you've worked in in, in visual effects. The, the Transformers read really poorly. Um, yeah, as a silhouette and, and as a form. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, like like you've like they all blend together. It's all detail porn. Yeah, uh, super detail it, porn. It just yeah, and it's like. But what if you were like? Because I have friends that help design that, and I, and my question for for us is like. If you have a director who's more is better and in more detail and like give me things on things and it's almost like where does it come from and how do you solve that and how can like how would you go to like a person that's directing the film and say I think we should have like he should be like mostly covered in a solid shape or something you know and, and it's just uh, it's like battling up a you know <laughs> it's like fighting a, an ocean you know 
Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, like part of Michael Bay and 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 Jerry Bruckheimer's skill set is that they're able to bankroll huge productions that create jobs for, um, you know, hundreds or thousands of people. Yeah. And and that's fantastic. You know. Totally. That's that's great. But um, you know, to contrast that, I um, you look at James Cameron, and Avatar is. Not only a very readable film, but it it's still one of the most readable three D films. You know, like he spent years and years not just understanding what you know stereo vision is, but like freaking inventing the cameras. You know, helping develop the cameras that were used to film Avatar. Yeah, and and I appreciate that you know and it's the same with ridley scott you know ridley scott understanding the you know visual language like even ridley scott's lesser films let's say say legend that's a beautiful film oh yeah and he doesn't like he's he doesn't even talk about it anymore like yeah tom cruise (laughs) both basically disowned that movie which is a bummer because visually it's probably one of the most beautiful fantasy films (laughs) like that next to like the labyrinth you know the labyrinth is just stunning as well you know yeah um, and, and, and yeah, and I, I, I have a huge soft spot in my heart for eighties fantasy films. Well, that's where we grew um, up in though. Yeah. Like how old are you? Uh, 82. So <laughs> you're 82. Uh, no, I was born in 82. I'm, no, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Don't joke around with me. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're, you're just a little, you're just ahead of me a little bit as 83. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> You could also bring up like the like what they're doing with like the hobbits, you know, like the hobbit stuff, and like how it started off with like a lot more in camera stuff and practical effects, and then I just watched the recent one, and it's like, damn, so much like PlayStation graphics going on in here. Oh, terrible! Yeah, man. but it's like, but what I like is so amazing, you know. Uh, it's just like they do, they do. We gotta admit they do some of the best work ever um, that's oh, been accomplished. Okay, but I think a great tragedy is when production design um, overwhelms the rest of the film. Sure, you know, like when storytelling actually suffers from you know trying to rely too much on special effects and so forth. Like I like out of the six Lord of the Rings films, I think the first one, Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite because oh, yeah. it, it has the most restraint and it, and it had the most to prove. And so they were really careful about their use of in-camera um, special effects. And, you know, they cared about, every, you know, about conveying every single thing. And then when The Hobbit came around, they're just like, well, we know how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Let's just throw a whole bunch of characters at you. And, yes. And... Well, you're talking about the restraint through the restraint through the action of inaction or the 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 action of understanding your limitations. Uh, being, yeah, that's where you really. I think there's a there's a sweet art that I think we're talking about. There's an invisible art. There's an art that occurs when a, a group of humans or a human is stuck with a problem and solves it um, with their own solutions and creates um, uh, something out of there. And there's something really beautiful to be taken away from that. And like. You can relate even like I could talk about like um, because I'm working on a bunch of films right now and I'm dealing with a lot of stuff and and um, I'm always reminding myself that like when George proposed Star Wars, nobody believed in it. They all laughed in his face. Like that sounds stupid, you know, like and they were even making fun of him on the set. Even the actors are like, dude, you want me to say what? 
yeah. you know, like this power converter, blah, blah, blah. Like, and you know, like he had to have, like, that's why, like, no matter what, like, um, people will hate on him, whatever. It's like, dude, it's like, he, it says him, that's his thing. And he went out of his way and he like literally changed his life. He like, he, like had a divorce and like just all these horrible things happened just because he really wanted to make his film. You know, it's just like, he's done more than most people do ever in their freaking lives. And I just like, I have a lot of admiration for him, even though he destroyed the franchise that I love. And, and that's, that's his franchise to destroy though, you know? So <laughs> he could burn his own thing down. It's all, it's all good. So, and I mean, and he also like literally changed the movie industry. Oh yeah. You know, between yeah. him, him and Spielberg. And Coppola uh, too. I, th- I felt like Coppola did a lot of really great things. And, but yeah, sure. that, those I mean, two, that of course. Generation. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, the Zotrope, you know, George, you know, figuring out, like, that it was important to hold onto the film's rights and distribution and merchandising. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it, I mean, I, I, I love reading those stories. I love reading the stories about creators and, and you know, especially when they built empires, like, mm. like you know, um, James Cameron helping start. It was a digital domain and, you know, Peter Jackson, you know, running Weta, uh, you know, this, this is a, it's a fascinating idea to me that the idea that, um, the companies that you need to make your art happen don't occur, you know, don't exist yet. So you're just going to start a visual effects company or you're going to start a prosthetics company or you're going to, you're going to have two guys make chain mail for two years with their bare hands. Yeah. What the right. hell? Like, <laughs> Andrew like, was telling me about that. Just crazy, like, dude. It's like, I mean, it's, I, I love that bonkers mentality. And, it's super bonkers. And so, <laughs> you know, like, where do you think films are going? You seem to be uh, attuned to where the future is going. I, I'm I'm always fan, fan like thinking about it, and I, cause um, that's where my mind my mind's at. I'm here curious to see what you think because you sound like you're really into movies. I am. I'm like I'm. I I, I feel like I'm I'm more of a consumer than a than a creator. Like, um, I I feel like I can't necessarily see where 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 the where it's headed, you know, in advance. Um, I think, like I was, I, I, do you listen to the Slash Filmcast? No, I've heard of it though. Somebody was referring to it uh, a couple yeah. weeks back. Yeah, I love those guys because they, 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 they're like, they're like us. They're like, they, they, they like their, uh, you know, action films and genre films. Uh, but, you know, what, and they, they like to investigate what's special about them. That's awesome. And, um, you know, they, they, they had this discussion about, um, you know, there's an awful lot of superhero films and, and franchise films coming out. And, you know, this... Cha-ching. Yeah. And, and what does that mean? You know, what, you know, what does that mean for people getting projects greenlit? Oh, it's, you know? it's, it's, um, it means it's really fucking hard and I know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't. Oh, you don't have like fucking fifty years of like developed uh, audience. Oh well, I don't know. We're not going to make a return on this budget, so we're I mean, not going to do I it. I mean, like personally, like I'm, I'm, I'm still interested in in weird phenomena like um, like Josh Trank getting onto you know and uh, getting onto Fantastic Four or like and That's getting true. a Star Wars film 
and um oh, like jj's got going on yeah like well like i mean jj you know he's he's been around for but didn't a the other time. guy he did that one with the chronicle which is like kind of like a an akira yeah, kind of yeah. thing or which like, is written by like oh, what's his name oh, freak i'm drawing a blank just just talking to him on twitter <laughs> i forgot the name um you know i mean i'm like i'm interested in like i think basically the movie studios are like they're they're um you can only have uh you can only do so much with someone like um like christopher nolan like christopher nolan ha- knows how to retain his own power and so studios like marvel they have to find s- sort of lesser directors or up-and-coming directors to to helm their their franchise films like thor you know or, or captain america where where marvel still wants to send them notes or whatever sure i mean that's my read on it yeah, um, well, it's an accurate read, though. I mean, yeah. they're, they're grooming up their, you know, like they want to have control. You know, like with Nolan, obviously he's, like he he's 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 a man of action, and he's discovered his own manifestations, and like he's he's, <laughs> like he he put forth actions to make like he, in order to make Inception, he knew he had to do Dark Knight, and therefore he did the Dark Knight, and not to say that he didn't want to do it. It's just that. I think his original intention was to make Inception, but he couldn't have done it on the budget without like people's trust, you know. And so he earned that trust, earned that two hundred dollar, two hundred million dollar trust, and then he was able to make Inception because he knew that people would right. allow him to do that, to take the risk. But prior to that, my favorite film of his is Prestige, and it's a fantastic film, you know. And it has mm. all these like these high levels of really just great filmmaking. Like it's a stunning film in all form, like all forms, and the story is fantastic. Memento is another one that's really great, and but he started off with like the following, you know. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like um, the Prestige and Memento are tighter films. Like they, yeah. they're a little more reined in, more carefully thought out. Um, whereas like Interstellar is a super ambitious film, but yeah. I think everyone admits that it's it's kind of flawed in in certain ways. Where, and, did, where did you see the flaws? I'm curious because I, I I had some myself as well. Um, um, I like like I think out of all my friends, I enjoyed Interstellar the most. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen it? Because, How many times have you seen it? No, I've I only saw it once, and I didn't even see it in IMAX. Oh, how but, dare you! Oh, oh well, man. Dude, my hometown doesn't have an IMAX. So. You need to get out of that hometown. I'm yeah, well, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I did. I'm in London now. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I think because I'm quite happy to, to, I, I, to watch a movie where I'm along for the ride and I'm, and I'm there to see things that I haven't seen before. Sure. And, and I'm over, I'm willing to overlook, um, plot holes or, um, perhaps some weaker character arcs, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's some some very specific problems there. That, but I, but what I I think it was a calculated bet. I think Christopher Nolan was like, if I make a watertight film like I did with Memento and Prestige, it's not gonna it's not gonna be able to go into these crazy weird areas that I want to explore. Yeah, and which is so, fantastic to go. You know, yeah, and Kubrick so, did it with like, us for like, 2001. You know, like yeah, like so. Some of my favorite films are. So are not considered to be the greatest films, but they're the most passionate films and the most visionary films. What are those? 
Um, well, like The Life Aquatic is usually regarded as one of Wes Anderson's weakest films, mm-hmm. but it's my favorite. Hmm. Um, Why is that? Uh, I just, I really identify with Steve Zissou, I guess. Hmm. And, and the world that he lives in, like it's a fantastic production design and, you know, I've lived the island life before and so it reminds me of that and I, I love diving. Well, I, um, I lived off of an island off of Hong Kong called Lama Island, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I was, you know, How long? Um, just for eight months That's and then cool. I lived on an island in um, the Philippines for about three months. Oh, cool. I've been to the Philippines. I, it's really cool there. Yeah. I, I like living, you know, I like living near the beach and I like, I like swimming in the sea. And well, the opposite of where you're at now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like a foggy and rainy. And oh my moody. God. I think I started. <laughs> you're going to move out uh, and go somewhere to the islands and build a video, uh, video game I, on the island? Eventually. You know, it's funny, like, um, my, you know, the guy who gave me my start in in the video game industry. Um, Who's that? American McGee. Okay. Oh, yeah. I read. He's in that book. I ha- I was actually going through my books last night. The Art of Alice. Oh yeah. Madness Returns. The Art that's, of Book. Yeah. That's my book. Yeah. I saw your uh, I saw your stuff in there. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Got to bring this up. Yeah. Talk um, too much about Monument Valley. Yeah. So so like, uh, he he actually he's the one who recommended the life aquatic to me mm. and he's the one who convinced me to move to the island in in hong kong and um he now earns a boat in thailand you know instead of <laughs> buying an apartment he decided to buy a boat and you know he always like he always toys with this idea of developing games while on a boat <laughs> that's awesome it is, and I, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a really sweet dream. And again, it's like another, um, another way to to make games. I think. Sure. I mean, what do you like? Look at Unity. The power of Unity. Uh, so many of my friends have been using it and showing me, like, and then also watching like your development blog and seeing that. Um, it's just for me. I, I, when I see that, I'm more. It's it's hard to explain. I. I have a mental thing where I um, I work very sporadically, so I'd rather sketch something out very quickly and, and get it out because that's the way that I've trained myself. Is and in film in film and all that stuff as well. It's like there's no time to learn. It's just time to you just go. You know, it's like your first impulse is what you get, and if you're if you're lucky, your first impulse will help you. You know. Um, mm. but like for me, the intention uh, and the thought of actually learning one of these programs in order to understand how to create a video game and stuff is interesting. But I thought one thing I thought was really inspiring for me when I saw your team, I was like, wow, like you're saying like we have artists that learn programming and then they can create levels of their own. It's like, man, I want to be in that environment. Where I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, Ken, how do you do this thing? How, how I want to make that thing. How do you do that? And then it's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm off, you know, to the freaking races, you know, figuring out all this stuff. So are you learning Unity now? I'm not. I have uh, so I have two friends that were building this game with. We just started recently, uh, thinking about building it out. And so um, one of them actually is really good with Unity, and I'm probably going to go down to his house. Luckily, he lives in San Diego, so I'll probably go down to his house. Ryan, what's up, Ryan? Give him a shout out to my buddy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm curious of it. And my buddy Anthony, uh, he knows it pretty well as well. And um, yeah, he was building some stuff for this thing that we were building. We were building another video game that was completely different. But um, yeah, it was really interesting stuff too. Yeah. 
You're one of those guys who like just has like a thousand projects on the go. Too much stuff. <laughs> Too much <laughs> stuff. I can do one thing at a time. Really? How do you do that? I can't do that. I don't know. Uh, I'm just I'm 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 really good at just being focused. Like I'm good at ignoring everyone else. Like literally my friends and my family and everyone else at the company <laughs> just focusing on finishing Monument Valley, you know? Uh, that's not good for relationships. <laughs> but it's really good for the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean that's that's sort of the next adventure is to you know, like like it blows my mind that you're a family man and you managed to, you know, have all these crazy projects yeah, on the go. Stuff. Like that's that's awesome. Um I gotta yeah, figure out how to how to fit more into my life. <laughs> it's just choices. I think that's why I'm really getting inspired by what this Tim Ferriss guy is talking about. Like, because um, I really admire people like yourself who are able to just shut the world off. For me, it's like, oh, there's, it's just so interesting. Like when I played your game, I was like, oh, like I want to make this experience. Like, how can I? How can I make something that has these flavors but totally unique, and then something that they would enjoy as well? You know, and yeah. how can I? Uh, then also like, oh, I really love Alien. How can I make Alien? I can figure that out, right? Like, why not? You know, and it's like stupid of me to say that. But at the same time, like the person that I become from challenging myself through all these different things, I just become this weird, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. And yeah, having a family as well, is like, it's all about choices, you know? And so I have a list of priorities and I try to make sure that I stick to them. And family is always first. Um, it's challenging sometimes, you know, it's like, it sometimes I have to put things aside and work things out, but yeah, it just comes down to priorities and time management and stuff and sure. lack of sleep yeah. usually. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like, um, one area that I think games can, can grow in is it's like taking dilemmas from real life and putting them in games. So like when you say that, you know, managing, family and work is about priorities and it's and it's tough and it's challenging and and like how can you make a game about that yeah you know? it already like, is like, one though kind of <laughs> sorry like, there's it already kind of is now if i could explain a scenario that's kind of like somewhat relevant in a in a category is like so right now my wife and i for christmas we bought ourselves this thing called a garmin viva smart it's like one of those like Fitbit things where it tracks your steps and uh -huh. tells you about how many bad, like calories you burn and stuff, and it syncs up with your phone and and then you can use it's not it's not smooth just yet, obviously. I mean the 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 thing is great and it works with the app, but um, but what it does is it turns like it turns my life into like this. I have like biometric information instantly, and I turn it. It turns into a game of its own. Like my wife and I are like, "Hey, how many steps did you do today?" Or, "Oh, I have to take a walk because I have to get like three thousand steps because I have to make like ten thousand. And so the act of being active it turns into like this like number thing because it's obtainable. And my wife and like I train jujitsu, so like I'm somewhat fit, and um, but we're also having fun with like just trying to see like how to maintain our bodies through this and. And it spawned off a lot of ideas. I've had this one idea. I'm actually, I don't care. I'm just going to tell everybody it now <laughs> because, and I think that you might be interested in this, just in the concept of what it is. And everybody that's listening, anybody that's listening that thinks this is good and wants to do it, just email me because maybe we can figure it out. But the thing is, I'm trying to figure out a way of helping out with people in general's life with um, their eating habits and then also 
helping grocery stores and, and farmers uh, waste less food and figuring out a way of like say somebody wants to become a vegan and they they will have an access to information of where to go and buy these things or a recipe and if they say like I want to lose 10 pounds this month and um, basically everything kind of syncs up with like a, a food network server or something that will tell you recipes that are in certain carb range to tell you like oh if you eat this this and that or if you go to the grocery store and it tells you it, the, if the app knows what you have it can figure out what meals to make for you or what meals you can make therefore you can cook so if like you're a college student and you only have say 30 bucks and you need to go to the grocery store and you need to cook three meals um, it'll give you options and things to buy and coupons and stuff and so um, and once that stuff learns itself and it becomes kind of self-aware it's almost like TiVo you know and it's like uh, or it's like Terminator. <laughs> no, it will never. It wouldn't be like that. Yeah, that's, oh, come on. I mean, yeah. the guy, you know, Skynet. They, they thought everything would <laughs> be such cool. such a nerd. See what <laughs> yeah, it all started from Ash's podcast. Exactly. And, yeah. and people were eating healthy, and they all became fucking super awesome. And then Terminator they came and killed them. <laughs> but I don't know. I just I was thinking to myself, like, you know, talking about games and stuff, and also like yeah keeping up with like you know even just knowing your heart rate and the heart rate monitor or, or like you know the apple watch is coming out and like to see what your health is and that's a game in itself and maybe there's yeah. a way of like creating some kind of like when i grew when i was gr growing up i grew up in hawaii and there was it was this thing it was really famous called tamagotchis or like pocket pets do you remember those yeah yeah, yeah. and uh there was like you had to like feed it and it was like the game was is like you had a pet but it was your digital pet and it was like my mom was like, well, if you really want a pet, then you have to show me that you can take care of it by taking care of this electronic pet. You know? <laughs> and so like that was something that influenced my life because I made these actions. And it was like a game that was interactive, but it wasn't even really a game, though. You know what I mean? So there's something there. It's really interesting. And also, you know, with lifestyle habits and things, you know, like just that app idea. I mean, I, extra I that's just a very rough summation of what the idea is. But I just feel like it came from one day I was throwing away food in my fridge and I grew up really poor and you don't do that. And I felt like it's gross to throw away like perfect, perfectly fine food and like, or not, it wasn't perfectly fine. It was just like, it was like outdated, you know? Yeah. And oh, I just, man. did you see this like thread on, on Reddit about like, I don't um, go on those sites. I'm too afraid. Uh, <laughs> well, black it, hole. I, like I don't read Reddit, but it, there was this one, um, you know, thread about what do, what do people not know about like being really poor? Oh, God, you know? I can't imagine. Uh, like, like growing up really poor. And it was amazing. Like, you know, like what people have to do to, to feed themselves or to feed a family when, when they grow up, you know, not having a lot of money or when they're, you know, college age, not having a lot of money. Um, um, you should check it out. I'll, I'll find a few and send yeah, you a link. Yeah, if you could please it's, send me a link, that'd be yeah, because uh, that's like an empathy really device amazing. right there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I say I grew up poor, but I, you know, I was just raised by a single mom, and you know, I just didn't have the basic conveniences of a lot of things. But at the same time, it, I think, at the core of who I am, it developed a person that was appreciative, you know, of things. Yeah. Because when you have a lack there of things, and you understand, you know, yeah. like oh wow, this is an abundance, you know, or like this is a lot, and that that idea would never have hit me the idea of helping humanity be healthier or helping uh us as a species um consume less because like the rate of 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 like let's say like a farmer you know has a certain crop and he has to make a certain amount and he f sends carrots off to like the local grocery and this is just my assessment from what I understand but like half of what he makes it goes to waste because 
like the stores they just they goes old or they have to re-up things and people aren't buying that thing or whatever um that's just really unfortunate it would be so great if there was a system that worked in a way that the farmer still made the money that he needs to and he'd make the he'd make just the right amount with like another 20 percent extra that would just be a, a given waste you know because you never know mm. the influx people might change their mind or want certain something else but instead of like a, a 40 to 50 percent waste it's like cut down further and then you have people that are using local farmers even you know and helping one another and stuff like that mm -hmm. or there's like a a local help of some sort i was thinking about making the app and developing it and then like doing a case study in like san francisco or something on like like a couple blocks or something using like whole foods or something and see mm. if whole foods would be interested in like an app that lives with you and becomes like your just your food you know like it becomes your life it becomes your your some some way some way of you can like uh interacting with your nutrition and stuff and i don't know I don't Ooh, know where I'm man. getting at, but I know it's eventually going to be get here. I just don't know if it's going to be on that scale. And I just right. wish I just wish it would because like we're consuming and destroying that stuff just way too fast, and it's mm -hmm. really gross. And uh, m maybe it's more in America because we just like just crush <laughs> through so much crap here, and it's just really gross. But I don't know. Got to be a little it's bit like, more conscious of it, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a good goal. Just be more conscious. Yeah, those who are unself-aware are just really horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the scariest people. You ever watch uh, Breaking Bad? Uh, no, I, I don't really watch TV series. Oh, that's good. I've well, actually, I've I've watched stuff. a couple of episodes because everyone's giving me such a hard time and saying, mm. "Oh my God, Breaking Bad." <laughs> well, yeah, there's a character in there. I won't even elaborate on it, but there's a character in there that's un that's not self-aware and he's the scariest person in the whole show because of oh. that, you know. <laughs> and there's lots of people out there in this world and it's like how can you not be aware of yourself it's just gross like how can you not be aware that that's really bad what you're doing you know but yeah yeah really weird weird stuff yeah sorry they ran them on a totally end of weird, <laughs> ta weird tangent that's where these podcasts usually go you know just like yeah. a, a point of interest and stuff but um well i guess we can probably cap this off if you want i don't know if it's probably getting late for you so uh, it is, and I gotta I gotta tidy up my apartment a little bit. Okay. Is, but, there any, um, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we got out there and discussed? No, I, I thought we we came up with some really great tangents. Lots um, of tangents, lots of questions, mm -hmm. but not a lot of solutions. Maybe we'll do a part two and propose some solutions, and maybe we'll build <laughs> uh, like I a force. A, I told my friend that I was going to be uh, chatting with you, and I, I I recommended that she she check you out, and uh, she and she said that. Um, you talking reminded her of, of me. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, in the way that we wear beanies, said, too. like in the way that, um, <laughs> that you laugh and in the way that you like, I could talk passionately or something. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. So <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been really good, uh, chatting with you, um, or ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's been great chatting with myself today <laughs> well, i don't have well, your charming have, accent have so. Taste in film, so what's that you have good taste in films and that, oh. that counts for a lot in my book we barely touched the surface so you had let me, give me two other movies and then and, and then i have one last uh, question for you oh okay well like life aquatic I, i'm gonna watch that because i haven't watched that in forever so oh wow um uh i'm a big fan of children of men mm-hmm like that's probably my favorite film of the last decade. Really? Or, okay. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, let's see. Um, for a long time, my favorite movie was Leon, The Professional. Mm-hmm. You know that movie? I've heard of it. Uh, I've seen the cover, but I've never seen it. Ah, dude, it's great. Leon, The Professional. Yeah, I mean, it, that's Leon. like another one of those. Yeah, well, just in America. Is it called The Professional? Yeah. Yeah, it has, a, what's her name? As a little kid, right? Natalie Portman. Yeah, I've seen that. That's an awesome film. Yeah, yeah. I saw it all as a kid, yeah. Well, like, that's another one of those films that, like, you know, people don't usually mention it in terms of, like, the greatest films of all time. Sure. But it's definitely a lot of people's favorite film. Um, and I, I think, like, having favorite films is is more important than arguing about what the best films are. <laughs> sure. Well, to you, right? Like, one of my favorite sci-fis is Solaris. And then, like, nobody even knows what it is. Uh, you're going to hate me then because, like, I like the Solaris remake. Yeah, like the Solaris remake. That's what that's what I'm talking about. I've never seen really? the original. Really? You like that film? I've never seen the original, but I love Solaris. Oh, dude! Like yes. no one else likes that film. No Nobody does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like An- my buddy Anthony, who I build all the the stuff with. Like him and I, like really enjoy that film. It's like one of uh, his best performances too. He does. He kills it in that film. And who? Clooney. Yeah, Clooney does yeah. an amazing job in there. And the music, uh, Cliff Martinez's music, is phenomenal. Oh my god! And, like so, like Solaris used to be like. I would only listen to the soundtrack and I would always, I would only like watch it when I was depressed. <laughs> and so I haven't watched it in a really long time actually, but oh, like, cause that's like, Oh my God. It's so, the score is amazing. Oh, it's a masterpiece. And it's, it's just, you know, same as like children of men, it, it kind of touches on humanity, you know, like what does it mean to be human? Sure. Yeah. It's a, yeah, I thought children of men, it was a really great, had a lot of really great things that was right on the tip of everybody's tongue, but he just, the way he put it together was really well. Um, I, I'm not sure what I felt too much about gravity. I felt like he had a lot of really great things going on, but um, mm. yeah, I just, there was, it wasn't children of men for me, but I, you know, it's every, I, I really appreciate, it. I love when directors go out and take a risk and they do different things, of course, you know? And so I thought that was really interesting, but yeah, Solaris, and yeah, not a lot of people even know that film, but I personally love it. And it's like the best thing about that film, too, or one of my favorite things is listening to the commentary of James Cameron and Soderbergh talking. Like, James is like a little giddy schoolgirl, sounds oh, like. Oh, man, I haven't, I haven't listened to that commentary. It's amazing because, like, you have a guy as powerful as Jim Cameron, and he's asking Soderbergh about, like, tips and advice and just, like, his thoughts on things. <laughs> it's like, it's really. Uh, it's phenomenal, actually. It's one of my favorite commentaries. Because if you know the nuances of these people's personalities from their perceptions, yeah. you know, it's like, wow, well, like, this guy really I respects love, this guy. So Yeah, I love Soderbergh. Like, I, I think he's, like, he's such a, like, a brave filmmaker. And he's, yeah. like, and, you know, he, he doesn't do this, you know, outside of Ocean's Eleven, he doesn't do the same thing over and over again. He's always experimenting and... Uh, He's yeah, a, I'll, he's I'll a have to beast check out too. He, he like shot that film too. I think he like did the cinematography, and mm. the unions were like, if you look at the credits, the unions um, didn't allow that, so they he oh, had to use his like dad's surname. <laughs> yeah, no joke, man. It's funny shit. Yeah, that's another. That's a really great. That's a great one. There's a lot of them though. There's so many films that I really love. What's, like, what's your what's your favorite like commentary? Like, what's a good commentary? That you oh like? man, all the Fincher's commentaries are fantastic for like film like technicians and just like loving yeah. all the details so like any fincher film really like his zodiac was fun like 
is uh i listened to like 20 hours of fight club because <laughs> it's like it has like all the writers and all that stuff was really great so fincher's yeah. stuff is really great um i've uh, listened to like all of the lord of the rings commentary. yeah andrew's like, really into that stuff too that's really gnarly that's like 400 yeah. hours or something like crazy <laughs> yeah and there's tons of of gems in there right you yeah. know it's like yeah that, that's filled i have um one of the dvd packs of like Super Lord of the D- Crazy Rings at four million yeah. hours of super hairy feet and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I got that. I think uh, Ridley Scott's commentaries are really fantastic as well. He's very transparent. Um, yeah, I love that. Like he's he just doesn't really care about what anyone else thinks. He's yeah. like he's just so bold in his vision, and he's just like love that dude. And and very practical. You know, he has a very craftsman like attitude. Yeah. He comes about. from a different gen, you know, generation. Yeah. yeah. And you could feel it. And I, I love it. He's like, just, he wants to make that thing and he does it. And he does a phenomenal job and he, he acquires all the right people. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You know, like, I think that he's in a hard spot with a lot of things, you know, trying to find, like, I think a lot of directors, a lot of filmmakers in, right now are trying, are confused as to what is happening. And you can see it in the films, you know? Uh, the the machine is just very weird and in a very odd place as far as films are concerned. But his commentary, yeah, those. Um, I have a couple more I can't think of right now. I'll just send them to you. Yeah, you know some. what's? Um, I'll, I'll tell you one weird one. Um, uh, it was oh Armageddon. <laughs> the commentary to Armageddon. Yeah. So like, 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 oh, is that that like, freaking one with the the rocks gonna hit the Earth and stuff? Yeah, so oh, dude, like, like Ben Affleck, mm. like he's aware of how silly the film is. Sure. And so he's kind of making fun of the film awesome. as he's doing the commentary. And he's like doing impressions of <laughs> like of Bruce Willis and what <laughs> Bruce Willis's like internal logic. Like, like he makes fun of the idea of sending oil drillers to, you know, to drill on an, on an, on an incoming asteroid. <laughs> and he's hilarious. I guess you have I to look at it like that, right? Yeah, I love I love Ben Affleck. Yeah, he uh, Argo he did a pretty good job. I felt in Argo saw that. I'm looking yeah. through my I'm looking through my um, I have a big like collection of these documentary or not documentaries but um, film commentaries. Yeah, the stuff for Seven was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, yeah, all of Fincher's stuff is really amazing. The Iron Giant one was kind of fun, like with Brad Bird because he's just like full of energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see Blade, Blade Runner stuff is really great. American Beauty was fantastic. I felt too. It's one of my favorite films too. Uh, oh, it's so, it's so like delicately made. You know, oh, yeah. like every shot is just so <sighs> thought out. You could print that out. That's you know, that's yeah, yeah. It's such a such a well composed, masterful, masterfully filmed and composed movie. Mm. Yeah, I remember it hitting me at a young age. I must have been like twelve years old, and I saw it in a theater, and I was like what the, is this? And I watched it like yeah. five times over in the theaters too. I just kept sneaking into the theater and watching it. And yeah, it was just fantastic. It was just, yeah, I hadn't seen anything quite like that. That moved me like that, you know, it was really mm. interesting or like, yeah. And also like any of Scorsese's stuff is pretty awesome too. So like taxi driver or like, um, yeah, any of his are, is pretty awesome. So yeah. Right. Yeah, man. 
And the last question, sorry, I'm I totally lingering on this thing. <laughs> sure. I know you got to get to your stuff, and I got all kinds of crap I got to do. I, I just it's, it's, great conversations are so hard to end, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, we can talk about this stuff forever. So, um, but um, one question is, what's next for you guys as like the games? You know, like as far as like you guys as a studio, are you going to stay on? Are you thinking about continuing to make more stuff for a monument? Are you thinking about jumping away and taking a break from it and creating your own stuff or you guys going to create a different game and use the same quote unquote ingredients hmm. or um, can you even talk about it? If you can't, then don't worry. Yeah. About yeah. It. Um, so, you know, one of the interesting things is that everyone on the team um, is quite okay with not immediately doing Monument Valley too, you know, mm, like, cool. It, it makes a lot of business sense to do that, and there's definitely the, the demand for it. Like a lot of the fans, they're like, "We want more Monument Valley." Sure. <laughs> and all of us are quite okay with moving on to something else. You awesome. Know? Um, so, but we we you know that that was another big discussion point at the team meeting today. It's like, um, what you know, what do we want to do in the future? Um, you know, currently we're working on this little experiment where we're making a, a Gear VR project. So that's like it's a it's it's Oculus uh, technology, but it's it's for like a Samsung Galaxy Note. Hmm. Um, so you, you get your yeah you get your Android smartphone, you stick it in an Oculus headset, and that's <laughs> and you got VR. I have a picture for uh, you. This <laughs> I'll send you to you. Keep yeah. going. Yeah, I have a so really funny picture. <laughs> Is yeah. it okay? Have you seen it? It's like that guy sitting outside in the front of a restaurant. Oh yeah, have yeah, you seen so that? We, yeah, we passed that around. This <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's but it's it's really it's a really interesting design challenge because um, you have it, it controls in a different way. It, it's immersive in a different way. Um, you can get motion sickness in you know really easily. So we have to design around that. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting kind of side project that we're doing. And then moving forwards, it's, um, it's kind of like just, you know, having time for people on the team to kind of experiment and figure out new ideas. Um, and, uh, I guess in investigating some of that, you know, boundary pushing space, like, you know, if, if we have access to all these smartphones that people have, like, what can we show them about the power of games? You know, like, how can we introduce people to games um, in the way that Monument Valley did? You know, how can we surprise people and, uh, who, who maybe thought that there weren't any games for them? Sure. Know? That's a great way of looking at it, though, too. And you're going to find your own market and build it out and find the niche that it needs to be you know I, I i applaud to you guys too as a team to collectively you know i'm not sure how the people that are paying the bills feel about it but um to collectively go you know let's try to do something else and see you know like it's that's a big task you know you there's like always that sophomore blues kind of thing you know or the worry that oh i don't know if, like we can create something as great as the thing we've already created you know but yeah. Yeah, but if you guys have the same kind of energy and you haven't changed too much from the success of this and the fact of like thinking that you're beyond something else, then you're going to find it, I think, you know. At least that's my thought of how this works, but like I said, I have no clue. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I just look at, you know, at Soderbergh and Ridley Scott and yeah. James Cameron and and you know, they they all 
didn't rest on their laurels. They, they explored new worlds. They continue to explore new worlds. Um, and, you know, that's what I want to do. It's awesome. Um, and the, the chase is the journey, and the journey is all that matters, not the destination. Yeah, yeah, so. let's, let's, let's have fun making games. Let's have a fun journey. Yeah. Um, you know. I love it. Well, there you have it, people. Cool. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, we'll have a link to all your awesome stuff and whatever else, if you have anything that you want us to specifically make sure we know um, or like links to anything, feel free to email Andrew and I and we'll make sure we put it up there. But seriously though, like it's been awesome. I was kind of nerding out and I was telling my buddies <laughs> who I'm building the game with like, oh man, I'm so excited. Like I'm so thankful that the podcast has allowed me the ability to like cut out, out a couple hours of your time, you know, and I just feel thankful, you know? So I just want to thank you. I appreciate it. And, and also, like I said, I've already said it many times, but thank you for, and your team for making something that I really enjoy. And it's like really inspired me. Like, wholeheartedly like i'm hoping that down the road you either know it or i send it to you or you play something that i've made and you enjoy it and i can pay it back to you because that's like that'd be awesome you know i'd be happy to thank you ash yeah man well have a great night and enjoy cleaning your apartment oh i will <laughs> it sounds amazing blast some uh, uh solaris soundtrack while you do it <laughs> get all weepy <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> awesome man thank you again all right thank you cheers bye and that does it for this week's episode thank you guys so much for listening in you can find links to ken's work in all the show notes at thecollectedpodcast.com slash 93 you can also find links to our facebook and twitter and feel free to check us out on itunes by going to thecollectedpodcast.com slash itunes I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. I hope this inspired you guys. Go make something amazing. Go be powerful. Go be prolific. Be amazing. Kick some ass. Peace out, everybody.